Y'all are going to be shocked at how quick I preach. So we're going to do this the way Christian Lee does it in, in uh, New Philadelphia Church in Seoul. Um, in exactly 20 minutes, uh, you all are just going to begin to cheer and praise the Lord, and that's going to be at the end of the message. In exactly 20 minutes. All right? You ready? You ready for this? I've never done this before. I'm, I'm scared. I'm nervous. I'm a warrior, not a worrier. Woo! That was some good stuff, boy. I opened up my iPad so quick, I said, I got to take some notes. <laughs> All right, let's pray. My 20 minutes starts the moment I finish praying. <laughs> Father, thank you for tonight. I give you praise and glory. I pray tonight you'd speak to us by the power of your word, that you would establish us in the truth, make us steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. My subject tonight is many kinds and a lot of it. Many kinds and a lot of it. Many kinds and a lot of it. And I'm reading from the book of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. And this is what it says. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the, in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And Here's our key verse. This is to my Father's glory. Say this. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now I'm going to... Okay. Discipleship equals fruitfulness. According to Jesus, discipleship equals fruitfulness, or we might say that fruitfulness is the sign of true discipleship. You know, have you ever seen somebody come to the altar, say the sinner's prayer, invite Jesus to come, come into their life as their Lord and Savior, but have you ever asked the question, did they really get saved? I mean, what is salvation after all? Is it simply a prayer that you pray at the altar that gives you a get-to-heaven free card? Is it simply uh, fire insurance? Insures you, it protects you from the fires of hell. You know, there's a lot of vampire Christians out there that simply want a little bit of Jesus' blood for their sins, but don't want anything else to do with him except just give me a little blood for my sins. That's all I want, vampire Christians. 
But salvation has two basic components, and we can break these down even further and talk about others, but the two basic components of salvation are repentance and regeneration. Repentance is what we do. That is, repentance is is when the Spirit of God moves our minds and hearts to the place where we openly declare that we have sinned against God, that we haven't been living right, that we haven't been thinking rightly about Jesus Christ. Repentance literally means to turn, shuv in the Hebrew, or to change your mind, metanoia in the Greek. And the first sign of repentance, the outward sign of salvation, is repentance. When someone is truly repentant, it's a sign that real salvation is going on there. A lot of people say the sinner's prayer but are not really repentant. You ever had somebody say sorry to you, but they weren't really sorry? I mean, they said sorry because it was the right thing to do, not because they were really sorry. And the way they phrase it is, if I've done anything to hurt you, I'm sorry. Translation, I don't think I've done anything to hurt you. If you're saying if, you're not really sorry. (laughs) But the inward reality of salvation is what we call regeneration. The fact that you say, I'm sorry to God, doesn't mean you're saved. You're saved because through faith in Jesus Christ, God regenerates your heart, gives it new life or new birth. It's called being born again. There's an internal change by which the spirit of the living God comes to dwell in you with the presence of Jesus and the presence of the Father. And suddenly you become God's child or part of God's family. But we need to see the sign of repentance The sign of outward repentance typically points to the reality of internal regeneration. So you can actually look at the way a person lives, that is look at the fruit of their life, to determine the seed that that fruit is growing out of. Matthew 7, 16 and 20, Jesus says, by their fruit you will recognize them. He says it twice, by their fruit you will recognize them. Now, of course, in the context of this passage, Jesus is speaking of false prophets that we should beware of because they come to deceive us. But the principle still stands that a commitment to follow Jesus and to grow in him will always be accompanied by fruit. Look at your neighbor say fruit. It was John Wesley who said, faith alone saves, but a faith that saves is never alone. You're saved by faith, not by good works, but you can't be saved by faith and not have no good works. Good works always follow saving faith. Faith alone saves, but a faith that saves is never alone. Now, in Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist was preaching, and he looked out and saw a bunch of Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his church. And he thought to himself, who let these hypocrites in here? And John the Baptist was gangster enough to call him out. He looked out and saw these Pharisees and Sadducees and said, what are you doing here? Who warned you to flee the wrath to come? You know why he called out the Pharisees like that? Because he knew that they thought that just by coming to his meeting, they were a part of his movement. And he says, let me tell you something. The fact that you come to my meeting doesn't make you a part of my movement. We've said again and again and again that going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than eating at Taco Bell makes you a Mexican. (laughs) You can even eat real Mexican food and it still won't make you a Mexican. Adi can even make it for you. (laughs) Where is Adi? 
I love that little guy. There you are. I almost couldn't see you. <clears throat> and so John the Baptist looks out at them, and in, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 8, he says, Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. He says, Stop coming to the meeting and thinking you're okay because you went to church. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Show it with your lifestyle, not just your words. So we got to produce fruit. Now here in this passage in verse 8, Jesus teaches so powerfully that the Father is glorified when we bear mucho fruit. we got to bear much fruit. Look at your neighbor and say much. Much. Now that word, the Greek word for much is the word polun which comes from the root originate of the common English prefix poly. Polun comes from poly, which means many. Bear many fruit, literally Jesus says. This is to my Father's glory that you bear many fruit, or polyfruit. Might have called this sermon polyfruit. Because you've got to bear polyfruit, Jesus says. Now that word poly means many. We see it again and again. Polytheism is the worship of many gods. A polyglot is a person who can speak many languages. Polygamy is the practice of taking many wives. Polyester is a fabric that is made up of many esters or many ascetic ethers. Breaking it down. Now Jesus says that the Father is glorified when we bear polyfruit. That is, many or much fruit. And that word, many or much, has both a quantitative and a qualitative connotation. It is both a quantitative muchness and a qualitative muchness. It means both that the Father wants us to bear a lot of fruit, volume, and also that He desires that we would bear many kinds of fruit, quality. Many kinds and a lot of it. Many kinds and a lot of it. The Father is glorified when we bear much fruit, and that means many kinds and a lot of it. Now, the problem is we tend to be satisfied when we got one form of fruitfulness in our lives. We tend to see one sign that we're saved and go, that's all I need. That's all I need. That's all I need, right? Hey, I quit smoking. Ain't that enough? Ain't that it? Come on. I used to smoke. I know I've been at the same place in Christ for 20 years, but 20 years ago when I got saved, I quit smoking. I really got saved, right? Right? Isn't that enough? I stopped cussing. Almost. Now I only say like two cuss words a day. I used to cut Every other word used to be a cuss word. I used to cuss out everybody. You knew I got saved when I quit cussing. Almost. The Lord's still working on me. I used to beat my wife, but I don't beat her no more because now I got saved. See, I got saved and I stopped beating my wife. Isn't that enough? Isn't it enough? I'm still here. I'm still at this church. You know I'm saved. Because I would have left this church a long time. Matter of fact, if you'd have met me 10 years ago, I'd have been about this church. A year ago, I didn't even come to church. You should be happy that I even come to church. Sitting through the service is the best I can do. We tend to see one form of fruit in our lives and we think, I'm doing good. Why? Because I got this one piece of fruit. But how many know that if you take one piece of fruit and sit it on the table, after a while, that one little piece of fruit is going to wither and rot in front of your very... You got one little piece of dried out fruit from your Christian life. It's just... It used to, it, it, it's, it, it used to be uh, a grape. Now it's a raisin. 
He not only wants you to bear much fruit, he wants you to bear fresh fruit. Not dried out fruit. Not frozen fruit. You know when you got a certain amount of fruit and you want to preserve it, so you put some of it in the freezer thinking you're going to preserve it. There's believers who say, I know I'm not going to bear no more fruit for the next 10 years, so let me take this fruit and freeze it so that I can use it over time. Let me tell you, and you know what's funny? I was thinking, when I was thinking about preaching on John 15, I got some good revelation on John 15, and the Lord slapped me upside the head and said, you've been saying the same thing about John 15 for the last nine years. Get some new revelation on John 15 before you preach it again. Stop bringing out that same old crusted raisin. Look at this fruit the Lord gave me 15 years ago when I was in prayer that night. The Father is glorified when we bear much fruit, many kinds, and a lot of it. Now, this is what the One Things process is all about. The One Things process is a systematic and perpetual process for producing many kinds of fruit and a lot of it. We will become more fruitful in each of eight major areas of our lives. Spirituality, physicality, family, finances, fellowship, service, vocation, and mission. This two-year process is going to empower you not only to bear many kinds of fruit and a lot of it, but it's going to empower you to both quantify and qualify the types of fruit you're bearing and the amount of it. That is, you're going to know the extent to which you've grown, in what areas you've grown, what kinds of fruit are you bearing, and how much of it. If you can't answer that question, you don't know the degree to which the Father is being glorified in your life. You see, when you don't know what kind of fruit you're bearing, are you growing in Christ? I think so. Translation, is the Father glorified in your life? Maybe. But if you know I'm bearing this kind of fruit and this kind of fruit, and you know the extent to which the Father is glorified by your life. And that's why this one thing's process is so important. Knowing that the Father is glorified primarily by our bearing fruit, Jesus decided to give us, his disciples, a recipe for fruitfulness. He says, the Father's glorified if you bear fruit, so let me teach you how to bear much fruit. I'm going to give you a recipe. This is a surefire way to bear much fruit. First, he gives them a powerful picture. He says in verse 5, I am the vine, and you are the branches. I am the vine, and you are the branches. That image is so simple that anyone can understand it, yet it is so deep and so profound that you can meditate on it for the rest of your life and still get deep stuff out of it. Just as a branch that abides in a vine draws its life and nourishment from that vine, Jesus says that we draw our life and nourishment from him if we abide or remain or stay plugged into him. And next he explains why. He says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Fruitfulness comes from abiding or remaining in Jesus. Now, we've begun this one thing's process with spirituality for a reason. We didn't start with, you know, some people were saying, look, I need to skip straight to finances, Pastor. Because my finances is messed up. Okay? I ain't got no money. Okay? I need to go straight to my financial one thing. Other people were saying, look, Pastor, I need the physical one thing, like yesterday, okay? You know, I might, you know, I might, I might have a heart attack in the middle of the service, and I need to get on a treadmill. You know, I need, I need physicality right now. Somebody else said, look, my family needs help. 
Why don't you start all eight of them at the same time and let us pick which one we need? And I prayed about it and I came out of the closet and said, look, I'm going to listen to the church on many things. But on this one, no, we're starting with spirituality and we're all going to do it. And this is why. Because without the foundation of spirituality, none of the other seven have anything to do with your relationship with Christ. All you're doing with physicality is losing weight. Not everybody that loses weight has anything to do with the relationship with Christ. It can be about self-help and personal endeavor and not about growing in Christ. We're not just talking about losing weight. We're talking about learning to glorify God with our physical bodies. We're not just talking about saving money. We're talking about glorifying God with our stewardship. We're not just talking about connecting with family. We're talking about glorifying God as a family. We're talking about taking each of these areas of our lives and aiming them at our relationship with Jesus Christ. But in order to do that, we've got to start with physicality. No other area that we cover in spirituality. Spirituality. Thank you. No other area that we will cover in this process is inherently spiritual. And in fact, if you don't have a strong spiritual foundation, each of these other areas can quickly become your focus in life. Your whole focus in life is, I need to lose weight. I got to lose. I wake up in the morning thinking I need to lose weight. And I walk through the day thinking, and I'm counting like my whole life is focused on losing weight. Or I got to save my money. I got, ooh, I got three minutes and 45 seconds. Hallelujah. No other area is inherently spit. No other area will have anything to do with your walk with the Lord if you don't start by laying a strong, solid, spiritual foundation. It is only your commitment Only your commitment to abide in Jesus that will make any of these other areas context for spiritual growth rather than mere personal development. So we're going to do this one thing. And this month we focused on personal spirituality. We focused on developing a self-perpetuated, spiritually disciplined, living relationship with Jesus Christ. Personal spirituality. Next month, we're going to focus on corporate spirituality. This month, we focused on learning how to go before God by ourselves. Understanding that when we stand before the throne of God, we're going to stand not as a church. He's not going to say, okay, Living Hope, all of y'all come up here. Living Hope, where's Living Hope, everybody? All the members of Living Hope over the years, you know, all of y'all come up in here. Is anybody missing from the role? Yeah, no, they got, they, 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 they got their membership got dissolved because they didn't show up enough. So, yeah, they're at some other church or some didn't even make it in. Mm. Benjamin, I got a few people on, my, on your list that aren't on mine. How that? No, it's, that's not how it's going to work. We're going to stand before God individually, not divided by church. Your small group's not going to be there with you. Your mama Nim's not going to be there with you. You are going to be there by yourself. And that's what we learned this month. We learned how to develop our relationship with God personally. But next month, we're going to focus on corporate spirituality. We're going to talk about why we come together as a body. What is the significance of the church? Jesus did not say that he was building individual spirituality on the rock. He said, upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will prevail against it. And so next month, we're going to talk about the church as the assembly of God and as the community or family of God. And that's what we're going to focus on in the month to come. Listen, I'm so excited about what we're doing in this one things process. I really believe that this two-year process is going to be a source of continued, perpetual, and incredible growth for each and every one of us that pours ourselves into it. And if you haven't jumped in so far, you're not too late. We still got another 23 months to go, and you can catch up. Amen? Amen. All right, I beat that 20 minutes. Look at that. I still got a minute and 20 seconds to go. 
Never done that before in my life. Come on, I need a standing ovation for that. No, stand up and, and, and let's pray. We'll give Jesus a standing ovation. How's that? God gets the glory. Go ahead, just give, him, give it up for him. Give it to Jesus. Just give it to Jesus. Jesus, we worship you. We adore you. Father, I thank you for the testimonies that are coming out of this process for us. I thank you for the lives that are being changed. I thank you for the heart and mind of your people. So many people are saying, man, this thing is changing my life. One thing. That our hearts would truly be focused on one thing. As David said, one thing if I desired of the Lord, that will I seek. That I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Or as the Apostle Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, I don't consider myself already to have apprehended, but one thing I do. I forget what's behind, I reach for what's ahead, and I press toward the mark of the high calling, that I might lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also has laid hold of me. God, teach us in our hearts and minds to focus on one thing, and there's so many things to distract us. But Father, tonight in the name of Jesus, I rebuke the spirit of distraction. I break it off of the hearts and minds of your people, and I rebuke the spirit of discouragement and the spirit of hopelessness. In Jesus' name. And I speak blessing and peace over your people tonight. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You know, I want to uh, be seated for two minutes. I'll take what he didn't use. Up, okay? I want to share this with you. When we first planted Living Hope, Benjamin and I went every day to Christian Cathedral's um, prayer, prayer chapel. And, during, and we would just pray for hours, just seeking the face of God. And during that time, God showed me a vision. He showed me a vision of a house. And I saw a baby, an infant, crawling. And then the next picture, I saw infant big. Like, fill the room and still barely walking. And then the next picture, I saw that infant not matured, not aging, right? But still same infant, so big that it just went through the roof. And the word of the Lord was sunny. Benjamin, I do not want living hope to be a house of an infant that's just big. And then he gave us verses about how Jesus matured, right? And talked about all these. I don't want to go into all that, but he wanted us to mature. Have you ever realized being at Living Hope? I don't understand why we're still like only 200. Like some people, visitors, a lot of people come and say, you should be like into thousands by now. Like, we, you, I don't understand. Have you ever like, who, who thought of that? Us too. And a lot of pastors that we know say the same thing. The reason why is because he doesn't want us to be a big infant. He wants us to mature. And as we get this one thing's process, as we mature, guess what? God's going to burst out of our boundaries, and we're going to be who he has created us to be. Big, but a lot of mature sons and daughters enlarging the kingdom of God. Our vision, you know, Joseph asked us a question in our meeting earlier today. What, what is the goal? What is our win? At the end of the year, what can happen for you to say we did it? We could celebrate. You know what I said? Maturity, growth. I want each member to be able to say, I was right here. And through this one thing's process, I am over here. 
I want you to be able to grow and mature in all areas. Let's not be an infant. Let's be matured sons and daughters. And you know, the more I study Bible and even neurology, guess what? You cannot mature by yourself. You leave an infant, can they grow? They will die. We need a community. We need one another. We feed, Benjamin and I, some of it, we feed you on Sunday. But during the week, we need one another. Stephanie to feed you and for you to feed. Oh my goodness, what Pastor Benjamin said on Sunday. This, this, this. And you share and you feed each other. As we feed each other, we grow together and we mature together. Amen? We're going to do this? We're going to grow? We're going to mature together? We're going to see God just just break us out of the little boundaries that we've known thus far. Amen?